Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about failure and how it works hand in hand with success. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Hey, leaders, I'm your coach, Adam. Here to have an honest talk about leadership, the obstacles you might face, and how to refine your leadership skills to help you become the leader I know you are. So let's grab a drink, sit back, relax, and have a chat. The other day, I was talking with an old colleague of mine. We were reminiscing about the hospital system and how awful it is to work in the hospital system. See, in the hospital system, there is a culture of blame. They don't believe in learning from failures. In fact, if you fail, they will nail you to the boards for it. It's very punitive. It's this idea when you think about it that there is little room for failure because you have somebody's life within your hands. If you give them too if you give a patient too much insulin, you'll kill them. If you give a patient too much warfarin, you'll kill them. If you give them the wrong saline amount, you could kill the patient. It makes perfect sense when you think about it. If Somebody screws up, you nail them to the boards, and you attempt to remove them from the facility because they cannot harm somebody if they are no longer there. Makes sense. The problem with this is it treats people like commodities, disposable, if you will. And the sad part is the workers feel it. The workers feel as if they're disposable. And that's not a good sign. It has a knock-on effect where workers tend not to report incidences at work. John Hopkins Medicine did a study where they estimated about a quarter of a million deaths in the United States are caused by medical errors. The truth of the matter is that number is probably much higher because these are just the reported instances. See, when it comes to a blame culture, when it comes to a culture that does not tolerate failure, people don't speak up when things are going badly. When you screw up in the hospital system, you hide it, unless it's really bad, and then you report it. I still remember working at a long-term care center where the managers were upset because, again, we had about 10 medication errors. There was something wrong with either the dosages, we didn't give it to the right patient, we gave it to the wrong patient, we didn't give the right medication, so on and so forth. The thing being is that I remember sitting down and thinking to myself, we have 10 reported medication errors. And then I really started thinking about it. And I said, we have at least 10 to 20 med errors a day that go unreported. We had 10 med errors that month. We had closer to something like 300 med errors every single month. It was absolutely insane, but nobody was telling management about this because nobody wanted to suffer the blame. And it was also painfully apparent that management did not care to fix the problem. And that's the problem with 
not accepting failure. You create this culture of blame where people don't speak up when things are going bad. Things don't get fixed. And you start building this reputation that you're a bad place to work, where people fear for their jobs, and it becomes harder and harder to recruit people because, again, in the community, word gets around, you're not a safe place to work. You're not okay to work. Which is ironic that these places tend to be scrambling for workers because nobody wants to work with them, but yet they still continue to treat their people as if they're commodities. See, if we want to succeed as leaders, if we want to go into the future, if we want to be prosperous, we need to accept failure for what it is, a part of success. See, failure and success are like siblings. They walk hand in hand with each other. If you would like success, you have to understand that failure exists. It's part of the learning process. And if you'd like to move forward, you need to tolerate it for what it is. If you accept failure as a learning process and you help your people understand it and overcome it, you will not only build loyalty, but you'll build an str unbelievably strong team that is resourceful and skillful that will follow you into hell and back because it shows to them that you trust them. Sure, they screwed up, but you didn't get rid of them. You helped them out instead. You helped them succeed where other people would have let them go. And that breeds so much loyalty, especially in a market today where companies treat their employees as disposable. If we handle failure right, the sky is the limit. The first part to understand about failure is, do we need to step in? Do we need to course correct what's happening? That is the very first question you need to ask yourself, because there's a lot of individuals out there that are screwing up and that are failing, but they're small failures. They're not that big and aren't worth course correcting on. A fabulous example of this is I've been in meetings where there are new employees and they are charged with presenting or talking to the team. When they talk, they have a lot of filler words. They say ums and ahs and ands. They're screwing up. Yes. But this is normal for them because they are new to this. Tolerate it. Don't correct them in the moment. In fact, ask yourself if you really need to correct them right now because they may not be in a place to hear that feedback. I know for myself, I remember hearing this colleague say ums, uns, and ands. And I said, you know what? This isn't something that I need to correct them on because they have a lot on their plate and I'm going to let them focus on these other things. And maybe in the future, this is something that we work on together. I still remember one presentation where 
another new colleague of mine, we'll call him Cole, was up presenting about some medications. And he had messed up one of the numbers in regards with some statistic. There was a person in the audience who took exception to this and then spoke up and berated Cole, or I should say, corrected him very publicly in front of all of his peers. And it was so upsetting to watch Cole just become deflated and see him get frazzled and ultimately see him lose confidence and motivation to move forward with his presentation. See, that person in the audience didn't understand that, yes, people are going to screw up, but the first question is, do you need to fix it? And the answer in Cole's case was, no, you don't need to fix it. See, the right statistic was on the PowerPoint. At the end of the day, this, this stat that Cole was quoting was quite insignificant when you compared it with the rest of the presentation. That just, it should never have happened to begin with. And it leads us back into that idea of, do we actually need to step in? And that's the very first question that you need to ask. If the answer is yes, if we're looking at them and say, oh shit, they're actually self-imploding and they are destroying their career. They are self-destructing or this is going to cause losses for the company. This is going to be bad PR. This isn't okay. Then we need to step in. The next question that we need to figure out is, do they know that they are screwing up? Do they know that they are failing? This is a big question to ask because most managers, most leaders assume that, no, they don't understand why they're screwing up and will sit this poor employee down and will belittle and berate him. See, the goal of helping employees succeed and the goal of helping your, your team members overcome failure is to motivate them, to help them take on the work and the responsibility to help them become resourceful. If we do this wrong, if we sit there and berate them, if we sit there and humiliate them, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to demotivate them because you've just told them off. They're going to start quiet quitting because, again, this is just a job now. They have no, they have no stake in this race. There's going to be more mistakes being made because, again, they don't care. And now you've just modeled a lot of toxic leadership that they're going to bring into the workplace and start passing around. That is not what we want at all. So to come back a little bit, we need to figure out, do they know that they're screwing up? Pull them aside. Take them away from the public eye. Do not do this with a crowd. Because again, that's public humiliation, guys. If you can't do it in a crowd, 
or if you can't do it in an office, if you can't do it somewhere private, don't be afraid to go for a walk with this individual. Most managers and leaders are too rigid in their thinking and they think, oh, the only place I can have these conversations is within my office. And the answer to that is no, you don't have to have this conversation within your office. I've had these conversations on walks around the block. I've had them in cafes. I've had them in restaurants. Because, again, if we associate our office with failure and screw-ups, people will dread coming to our office. Be diverse. Think outside the box. What environment would be best for relaying this information to them? The thing to understand or remember is that when we're sitting down with them and we're trying to figure out, hey, do they know that they screwed up? The answer is yes. Most people are not stupid. Most people in these organizations have degrees, diplomas, masters, PhDs. They're aware that something was wrong. And our job is then to help them understand what it was that is wrong. In fact, in my experience, they almost always know exactly what happened, exactly where they screwed up, and exactly why it's wrong. Uh, We don't even need to tell them. And that's awesome. Because if they know what's going on, do not waste time sitting down with them and telling them why they screwed up. Don't do it. It's a waste of your breath. All you're doing is humiliating them, treating them like an idiot, and ultimately you're going to demotivate, demotivate them. You're going to help them quiet quit and check right out of that job. In fact, you should just sit down with them, listen to them, ask some questions. Once you understand that, then you move on to the next step, which is brainstorming. But before we get to the next step, Let's walk back a little bit. Let's pretend you sit down with somebody and they don't understand why they screwed up. I saw this with one of my autistic coworkers who was in a meeting and was grilling management, specifically in a town hall meeting, about this new project that was being rolled out. See, he didn't understand social cues and doesn't understand when things are appropriate to say and when they're appropriate to say. He just, he doesn't get it. Because he doesn't get it, his upper management had to talk to his immediate supervisor, and his immediate supervisor had to sit him down and explain to him why he can't be grilling his leadership team like that in public. In fact, most of the questions and concerns that he had, although valid, should be going to his direct supervisor. And then, because the direct supervisor can answer pretty much all of them, and then in the town hall, only questions in regards with higher-up issues should be discussed. When we are talking to individuals, it does not matter if we are right It does not matter if we know it all. It does not matter if we're nice, if we're being mean. It doesn't matter. 
What matters is that we say what we mean to in a way that they will understand and hear us. Let me repeat that. When we talk to our people, we need them to hear us. And this is where listening in those three levels of listening that we talked about earlier in a couple podcast episodes ago will come in handy. Because if you've been listening, you'll understand how your employees or your workers think. And so when you sit down with them, you'll be better able to articulate why this isn't okay. And if you can have them hear you, they will become appreciative of you and they will move to change. See, too often I see leadership sitting down with their employees and reprimanding them for their failures, which ultimately causes the employee to become defensive and then they stop hearing and listening to you and you've just wasted your breath. It's important to understand that we need to make ourselves be heard by the employees so they can understand why this isn't okay. Once we've done that, once they understand what's going on, the next stage is to help them brainstorm how to fix the problem. Notice how I said we're going to help them. We're not going to tell them what to do. There's a very good reason for this. We want them to take responsibility for fixing this problem. Doing this creates trust. Doing this helps the employee or our worker become more resourceful. They understand fully the issue and they will then take ownership of the solution and implement it on their own, which will be less work for us, and it'll help build confidence within themselves or the employee. So if such a situation were to arise again, they'll be more confident in fixing or solving the problem. Or if a colleague is screwing up, they'll be more confident in helping them understand the problem and how to fix it. Remember, our goal is to motivate our people, to build confidence within them, to help them become more resourceful, and to help them solve the problem. We really want to empower them. So we don't take ownership of this problem. We keep it on their plate. We help them understand how can they solve the problem. We do this by asking open-ended questions. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. We ask, we help them branch out in their thinking and understand who may need to be involved and how they should have these conversations with those individuals. We help them create their own game plan that we're okay with as well. And then once that's all done, they can then implement it. They can then take a hold of it and move forward on this. I remember when I screwed up, I accidentally gave the wrong medication to the wrong patient. I was talking with one of my colleagues at the time. Uh, they were in charge of the unit. And this colleague sat me down. And they said, okay, what happened? 
And I explained to them what happened. I knew the problem, the issue. I said, okay, what should we do next, Adam? And I thought about it. And I said, I should probably go take their vital signs. Uh, I should probably make sure they're well. Uh, we should call their doctor, inform them and see what they want to do. And then I'll, I should talk to the patient and make sure that they know what's going on. And my colleague nodded their head and was like, yeah, I think those are great. Uh, we'll have to do an incident report somewhere in there as well. And I was like, yes, yeah, we will have to do that. And they said to me, they said, I'll talk with the physician. You go and do the vital signs and report back to me what's going on, okay? And I said, awesome. See, in that interaction, I took responsibility for the problem and I took responsibility for the solution. I came up with it on my own. And my colleague gave me the space to come up with it on its own. And more importantly, they also provided me with the support. I was a little bit frazzled at the time, so I'll be honest with you, I didn't really think I should reach out and uh, have them do any of my work. So I was actually exceedingly appreciative when they volunteered to call the doctor on my behalf. That may be a little bit of a happy panda bear. <laughs> but because I took ownership for the problem, and because it was a non-punitive environment, because it was a learning experience, I now knew what to do if that problem ever happened again. I now knew how to fix the problem, and I now knew the correct processes for doing it which actually served me very well when I saw multiple colleagues commit very similar problems to my own. <laughs> but that's how we get better. That's how I became a good nurse. I didn't get become a good nurse by being perfect out of the box. I became a good nurse by screwing up and failing constantly and learning from those failures. To wrap up, failure is a normal part of the success process. Failure and success go hand in hand. If we become too punitive in failure, ultimately our colleagues and our people will begin to shut down. They're not going to report their failures to us. They're going to start quiet quitting. They're going to be demotivated, and we're going to create a toxic work environment that is going to also create a reputation for us within the industry that we don't want. Because being too punitive, punitive is treating people like disposable commodities, which they're not. We need to embrace failure for what it is, part of the learning process. This is how people become successful. When it comes to failure, the first question you need to ask yourself is, do we need to step in and correct this or not? If we don't, let it go. If we do need to correct it, step in, pull them aside, create an environment that they can hear you, and then figure out, do they know that they screwed up, that they failed? If they do know that they screwed up, don't 
explain to them in detail about how they screwed up. That's a waste of your time. But if they don't know, then explain it to them in a way that they will hear and they will be receptive to. If they do know that they have messed up, don't talk about how they messed up. Just leave it at the door. It's a waste of our time. Instead, brainstorm with the person strategies on how they themselves can fix the problem. How are they going to take ownership and how are they going to move us forward? Because we want to empower these people. We want to help them become resourceful. We want to help them motivate and we want to build trust with our people. And lastly, I forgot to mention this, let it go. Once the problem is fixed, if it never happens again, just let it go. Never bring it up again. Do not bring it up in performance reviews. Don't even mention it again. Because that will build trust. Nothing will upset somebody more than causing a problem, fixing the problem, and then six months down the road being reminded of that problem and that failure. That's how you destroy trust. So with that, I hope you guys learned something, and I shall bug you in the next episode. Cheers. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, give it a like, and share it with a friend. And if you're ready to take the next leap and improve your leadership skills, head over to www.seedingthelead.com and book your free coaching session today. Thank you.